When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, SCORE fans, welcome to this bonus episode of SCORE, the podcast. We played a little chunk of this interview in our Ludwig Gorenson episode. This is the full, raw interview of our theme song throwback segment with WWE composer Jim Johnston. Enjoy the show. Oh, wow. It's theme song throwback. Awesome. 32 years Hundreds, if not thousands, of iconic wrestling themes and also uh, all the different cues for the vignettes and just everything that goes along with uh, WWF, WWE. Joining us is Jim Johnston. Yeah. Jim, thanks so much for coming on Score the Podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm thrilled to be here. You're you used guys. to hearing the audience, right? I mean, when. Never, because I never, uh, I, I have awful stage fright, so I've never gone out performing. Well, I was in a high school band, but. Uh, never with WWE. That's not true. I lied. One time I played Boston Garden uh, for a WrestleMania. But there it was so surreal with that many people. You, you feel like you're invisible. But no, I, no. I'm no, i behind the scenes safely in the studio. You stay locked up. Yeah, I, absolutely. Can I ask, Jim, where is your studio? Uh, my studio is in Connecticut, uh, Greenwich, Connecticut here. We're about uh, 40 minutes outside of New York City. It's really largely a commuter town to New Well, was before COVID hit. Yeah. And uh, who knows if it will remain that way. But it's a beautiful place to live, really rural. I'm definitely a kind of a country guy, mm. not a city dude. I know Greenwich well. So, so for, for our fans listening, for our listeners – if you're not a wrestling fan, Jim, which I'm not. <laughs> Jim tells me he's not either, which is the, the funny thing about all of this. Um, but wrestling theme songs, they're, they're part of pop culture. I mean, you don't have to be a wrestling fan or watch every Monday night to, to have heard Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme or be aware of The Rock and his theme and how important these yeah. themes are to creating these characters. And you did something incredible which is stick with a show, if you will, for 30, 32 years, and there's no off time. There's no off season. No, you know, if, you're no scoring, off season. if you're scoring 24 or the X-Files, you have some time <laughs> off. There's episodes, but you're on yeah. call yeah. basically for 32 years. Can you tell us how, what that was like? Uh, it's hey, it's an intense place, but I guess I'm a relatively intense guy. I like stuff like that, and I just have such a deep passion for music and writing music that uh, I never grow tired of it. And and I've been fortunate enough that I don't. If well, I was going to say I don't run out of ideas. My biggest frustration is I have way too many ideas to ever record because recording no matter what style or genre, it takes a certain amount of physical time. You just can't. And I'm not really a assemble things with loops guy. I like to play them out. Like I, I, you mess around with drum loops and you just never quite 
has the right feel. Can you walk us through a little bit? Just uh, I don't want to spend too much time on the on the path, but this mm-hmm. isn't really an industry. I mean, with film music and film composers, you can look to groups of people that do this, but there aren't many people doing or that, especially when you started that were doing what you did. How does this job come up? How did you connect with wrestling? And was it just like, Hey, can you write a couple things for us real quick? And it, and it snowballed from there. Can you tell us how you connected with Vince McMahon and WWF WWE at the time? Uh, my favorite food for many, many years has been uh, sushi and on the East coast, at least there, there were no sushi bars. And finally, one opened in our town. It, it was tiny. It was a Japanese restaurant. And finally, the guy took a big chance. And there, it was a four-seat sushi, sushi bar. Uh, grew to six and then grew from there. But because there were the same sort of few fanatic people who were into it, and very few people were, it was like going to a local bar where you'd see the same people all the time. So I'd run into this guy. We sort of talked occasionally. One night, he comes in, says, hey, didn't you say you write music because uh, my boss gave me this assignment to put together a video for the Nappy cable TV convention. And I guess I can throw together a video, but I had no idea how to put music to it. So I lied and said I did and figured out how to do it really fast. And, and Vince liked what he heard. Then I liked Vince and, and for some bizarre reason, because we're very, uh, I guess there are similarities, but we're, largely very different people. We really hit it off. Amazing. And there was no big plan. I didn't get hired. Uh, it just was like the next project. As a matter of fact, I didn't get hired officially for, I don't know what it was, 17 years or something in 18, maybe longer, maybe 20 years until the company went public. And then the lawyers got involved once you're a public corporation and and they're doing all their bean counting of finding out where the risks are with the business. And then the subject of me came up and they said, like, you got this guy who's really crucial to the business and he's, he could just walk out the door tomorrow. <laughs> you know, that's not a good thing. You got to get the guy under contract. So up to then, Vince and I had operated just on a handshake, which uh, were both sort of guys from the South where the handshake agreement is a, a binding thing. You, you, we're tasked with writing theme songs for these mm. characters who are these larger than life comic book come to life characters. Mm. And yeah. it seems for a musician, like it could be a dream job. I mean, there aren't really many rules to writing a theme for some of these characters that you're, you're using all different types of genres. Can you tell us what the process is like for, you know, someone comes to you and says, we got a new guy coming out. He's called the undertaker. What do you do? A, a multi-part answer, I guess, to your question. There is a comic book element to it. Mm. And not that I was smart enough to come up with this as a solution or as a, like, hey, this is the way to go with this, Jim, is I took it very seriously. I took it to be like a movie. Like, these are, this is Darth Vader, this good guy's Luke Skywalker. Great. They need themes. And when this guy comes out, we need to know he's the bad guy and we need to know this guy's the good guy. And I tried to write serious things because to comic book them up, uh, you end up with just a a, a trite, campy thing that I think has no substance to it whatsoever. Uh, So in the case of Undertaker, 
I, that was a particularly difficult theme. I wouldn't say difficult to write, but uh, most of the time ideas come to me really quickly. A lot of times that's because the character is relatively transparent of, you know, simple stuff. Like if he's a big, huge 400 pound guy, you're going to have a big, big, you know, plotting tempo to certainly start by saying this is a big, big guy. So you better get out of the way. And then the other guys are, you know, they're wiry and they're fast and they're moving around. So you want a fast, wiry tempo. So generally I start there. Undertaker is certainly an enormous man, but he's also, you know, kind of theoretically dead, which is problematic, which would imply (laughs) that he's not moving fast. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, I, the, the first thing I try, I, I was thinking that, you know, some big rock thing with my, all the guitars tuned down about nine octaves and that would be the root and, and everything just sounded horrible and trite and like this makes no sense whatsoever. And uh, then I uh, just sat down at the piano uh, one day and uh, I it just flashed into my head this little like a child playing a funeral. Like, like if you'd asked an eight year old, I I need you to write something for uncle Joe's funeral next week. So if you could just put something together, you know, what would that sound like on a kid's toy piano? And I literally wrote it. I don't know. Well, we'll try this and see if this works, but I, I wrote it really high on the piano and, and this really delicate, um, As soon as I did that, I, I knew that, okay, that that's the theme. But then I knew it's, it's not going to work on piano. So I made it a big church organ. and Oh, that's cool. And the bell, the iconic and bell. The, the, and the bell. And I, I, I wanted, you know, for whom the bell tolls and um, a funeral bell. But uh, I couldn't find a bell that was big enough. So I found a couple of bells, added a bunch of low tones to it and a really super muffled low kick drum and came up with the bell i guess i mean first of all it's fantastic it's very much film scoring approach to character and an emotion um but when you've come up with that you omitted the the part that i'm very used to um do you go back to Undertaker and say, Mr. Undertaker, sir, do you like your theme? Or do you go to Vince or is there a boss or do you just turn it in and nobody bugs you? Robert, it's a very simple system. Uh, whatever Vince says goes. And ah. He makes the decisions. So 
uh, yes, everything has to pass by him, period. Is he a musical guy? Does he sit in there with you when you're writing or just hear the final stuff? Well, hopefully he will not hear this interview. And the simple truth is that, yes, he would sometimes. But in general, that was not that made it much more difficult for me. It was much easier to just, you know, the easiest thing for me and would be the first thing I would ask any producer or director is, you know, I don't really need so much to know the story as just talk to me a little bit about what you want to feel. When you watch your film, what do you want to feel? You want to feel scared? You want to feel perfect, triumphant? Because if you, if you tell me the story first, then I'm going to start having my own opinions about what we should feel, but that may not be what you want people to feel. So that to me is the most important thing. And, and also for me, if a piece of music does not make you feel something, if it doesn't fundamentally change your emotional state by listening to it in some fashion, then it's not working. Mm. One of the things I find interesting about wrestling theme songs is if you watch the show as the composer, you're able to watch people react to your music. Unlike a film or Mm. a TV composer where your music plays on the show, but you're not seeing the audience watching the show going, Ooh, I got goosebumps there or I'm excited. Um, But one of the things that you did with a lot of these wrestling themes is almost create a, 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 a start to it where there's a sound that really signals something's about to go down. You're, you're driving the story forward. Cause with wrestling in the old days, it was just two guys wrestling it out and then they'd go to the back. But over the years with the help of the music, you really created a story to help the audience understand and move along. And for example, like with Stone Cold Steve Austin, when you hear that glass breaking, you know that someone's coming out to get the smack laid down on them. Something's going to happen. Yeah, something out of control is going to happen. Where did that idea come from to start with a sound effect or a catchphrase? If you smell... If you smell what the rock is cooking. That's such a brilliant idea to signal to the audience, and it really creates electricity in those arenas. An entrance theme is so is very unlike a song in that songs have introductions that kind of ease you into it. Mm. And for the most part, uh, film scores do the same for the most part with uh, Star Wars being one of the rarest exceptions. Every time it starts with that, you know, Star Wars has crossed the screen. And that just sucks you into the world instantaneously. It's like, okay, sold. I'm in. I haven't paid for my ticket yet. I'm putting my money down now. (laughs) There are two things that need to happen in an entrance theme. You, You want the audience to completely pop and anticipate what's going to happen next. Like here comes Stone Cold. Uh oh, you know this guy's screwed. (laughs) <laughs> Poor guy who's, you know, or, or he's going to get run over by a, a, a mail truck or something. <laughs> um, the other thing is backstage to get the wrestler and help get the wrestler into character because they have to, they sometimes have a tough job in that they, you know, you know maybe they 
got divorced that day or something, will they still have to get all fired up and be this character live in person tonight in front of this gigantic crowd? So it helps the wrestler get into character, get fired up, feel good about themselves, uh, get just get in a place where they're anxious to go out there. I, it sometimes amazes me thinking about, uh, or maybe how much better a lot of actors' performances could be if they could have the score to act to. Yeah. And to think about them acting silently in a room. Uh, if if I ever was a director, which I never will be, I would certainly try it. Like to do some rehearsals with the music or something, help those people get as deep into that world as you possibly can, because nothing can accomplish that like music. Nothing. Yeah. It, James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy not, notably does that. And they actually uh, digitally remove the earbuds out of the actor's ears. Well, he is a smart guy because <laughs> then more people should do that. And, and interestingly, it probably would be even more valuable for two people doing a love scene or, you know, Sophie's choice where she's having to give up her kid and the kid drives away and your heart's already being torn out and thrown on the floor. If all those people could have done it to the music. Yeah. Oh my God in heaven. Can you walk power. us through a little bit your, your stone cold theme? Nice. How, you, how that evolved? Oh, well, it, was, it was so, uh, you know, the, the best things that I've written are so simple. I, I'm such a believer in simple works. You know, a great, a great example of that is people love to show how well they can play or they want to be perceived as sophisticated or I'm very deep. You know, I, I can't I, I just hear things so complexly in my head. I, I can't help myself. And yet one of the greatest writers of our time, Paul McCartney, if you listen to his stuff, he plays the most simple chord. He never plays, you know, an A flat ninth, 11th flat sixth. He, he plays. You know, it, it just. C chord, G chord, A minor, F. Boom. Done. Okay, great. Thank you very much for writing one of the most iconic songs in pop history. Let me ask you this. When when they bring you Stone Cold, do you get pictures? Do you get, like, what do you get to write? Do you Are you able to see how he walks out to the ring? Do they give you anything to mm. develop? Uh, if I can get any footage of the person walking, that's really important. Because everyone walks with a tempo. It, it is most important for uh, the, the talent to have a theme that that matches their internal tempo. Going back to what you said earlier about I had the the nice gift of being able to see my music play and how are people reacting? Does it seem to be going well? One of the things I always looked for the first time something played was watch watch the person walk down the ramp. And if they look confident and they're just, you know, cruising down and everything looks good, you know that, okay, this is working. But likewise, I could tell in a second if the music is either holding them back or pushing them like, like someone literally pushing them 
down the ramp, going faster than they want to go. And you got to change the tempo to match that. Do you have to be at a certain level? Do you have to be at a certain level as a wrestler to merit a Jim Johnston theme song? In other words, you're talking about seeing them walk down the ramp. Well, who is lucky enough to have the privilege of getting your eyes on how they walk so that you can write (laughs) a theme song? Really nice of you to say, if only it was even partially true. It certainly was never perceived as the fortune of getting a Jim Johnston theme. But there was a correlation, particularly early on, well, very early on, only the top few guys had themes. And, And it was only something you got by probably winning a title of some sort. And then it began to sort of filter down. And in the early days, something I utterly disagreed with, but uh, if you were a bad guy called a heel in wrestling parlance, it was purposefully bad. Vince wanted the music to be bad. So it was stuff like toilets flushing or something, you know, it was just so over the top, say like, okay, this guy's bad. All right. He's a loser. Boo him to death, please. There's no question about it. Um, But later, uh, fortunately, things changed. And uh, I I was like, why why can't the music be great? It's just for a heel. I mean, it's Darth Vader's theme. Yeah. Great theme. I mean, it isn't like that's bad music and Luke got a good thing. It's Well, there's a big noticeable difference if you watch really old wrestling and just two people are in the ring standing there and then they start wrestling versus like the entrances, the music makes such a difference in just the excitement level of watching that. Well, once again, the power of music is incredible, but you know, we've all also seen films that there seemed to be a miss for whatever reason, there seemed to be a mismatch between what we're seeing and what the music is telling us. We are supposed to be feeling. And it's like, wait a second. I'm not time to go get popcorn or something because I'm missing it here. Um, I think it. I think it has to match, and I think that's really a problem with the whole pro wrestling thing now. Is music has become just generic, almost coincidental. It, it's like something that plays. Okay, guys coming out. Okay, play some music, please. And it doesn't really have much to do with the character, and it doesn't advance the storyline. Stone Cold. Well, I'll give you a two-second Stone Cold. So I, the, the the main thing I approached with his thing, it just had to be uh, driving. He's 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 not fast. He's not slow. It's just duh, duh, duh. he's just it never stops. He'll never ever stop. He just keeps coming. So it had somehow the rhythm had to reflect that, and, and so it. it it's such a, it's three notes. Hey, simple, simple words, you know? Who knew? And the glass breaking, was that something that, where did that idea come from? Um, I knew I had to come up with a sound and the sound of, 20 by 20 foot glass patio door that's eight inches thick blowing up in your face that represented Stone Cold. And uh, I got all sorts of sound effects of glass breaking and nothing sounded any good. So that glass break is a mix of uh, 
two the biggest glass breaks I could find, uh, a car accident, uh, an explosion, and uh, some low drum hits. But and it reads, it re- you know, you get that high tinkling uh, glass sound in there, and it just reads as a glass break. You've been able to work with some superstar rock star bands um, over the years. It's all about the game. Yeah, yeah. God, it's so much fun. To write yeah. a theme, like, for example, with Triple H, you you did a theme with Motorhead. Three, as a matter of fact. Multiple themes. Multiple themes with Motorhead. Multiple themes with Motorhead, and I, I think uh, P.O.D. P.O.D., Saliva. Are you a rock star guy, though? Do you Is that something that you were excited about? I mean, you're, you're coming from an orchestral guy, but you do, you're all over the board with the genres. But when these big rock stars come in the room, were you guys meshing? <laughs> I don't tend to be very impressed with myself. So I'm not concerned about walking into a room and it's like, am I being respected here? This is, you know, I'm much more anxious to uh, talk to them about you know, what amp are you going to use today? Uh, like, of course. What kind of, what kind of guitar strings do you guys use? Just get down to business. Did they come to Greenwich? Did bands come to Greenwich? To that no, room? a lot of times I, I would travel to them or maybe when they were coming through New York hmm. on a concert tour or something and hook up in a studio in New York. But whatever, whatever worked, really. But it was such a treat for me to work with those bands and uh, and to write a theme for a band like that like you're you, you write the lyrics too right i do i do yeah that must be pretty cool to hear lemmy to hear lemmy sing your songs yes that is a cool thing and he and he he was kind of a wacky guy but he was a really nice guy I mean, Lemmy was, he, he and I got along great. He's, you know, definitely a different guy than me and had his vices for sure. But um, he, he was just just a really solid, nice guy, not pretentious in the least, friendly, talk, just hang out in the studio. It was great. Retreat. I guess my question would be, is this career that found you or you found satisfying enough that you didn't at one point think, I'm packing the station wagon. I'm heading west. I'm going to compete with Hans Zimmer and Danny Elfman and John Williams, yeah. and I can do this, and I've done it hundreds of times. I want to start scoring those big Marvel films and superhero films. Why Why didn't you end up in Santa Monica writing movie music? Or is that still um, ahead uh, of you? Uh, I hope it's still ahead of me, uh, but... You know, this will be, I guess, a confessional moment of probably you like that? that that you're not maybe getting all the time on your podcast. But um, it was a fun job. To Kenny's point, I was I had a great deal of freedom. I mean, I was able to write whatever music I wanted for the most part. 
I guess the only negative to that aspect of it is you're still kind of writing to someone else's dream, you know, to, to Vince's dream in this case. And there were as much as I wrote a broad spectrum of musical genres over the years, uh, there was a ton of ground I didn't cover. I wasn't able to cover it because it just wasn't parting part of the, the wrestling voice or something. Mm. Um, there were definitely times when I uh, hated the culture of uh, the business and the company, which I found really distasteful um, and had arguments and definitely thought about leaving. But, but also, um, as I said before, I'm, I'm not a, uh, no, like I never had dreams of being a rock star and, and playing stadiums or something. So unfortunately, uh, kind of my shyness and insecurities worked against me a little bit on that front in that I hit this comfort zone and it was working. And to a degree, it's one of those things is like, boom, you blink your eyes and now it's 32 years later. So, uh, so in any case that came to an end and, um, and so I'm in chapter two mode now and, and, uh, moving forward. And it's been great to be able to rediscover that thing that I hadn't felt for so many years, which is, you know, today I'm going to write, like, like I just finished something. I have no idea why I wrote it. It's a, it's kind of this very lonely Irish thing, very soundtracky, very moody, um, called the steeple road. I'm not Irish. I don't know why I wrote it, but uh, I love it. I just love it. And I love the, I love having written it. And so now it's, now I'm in this place of like, oh my God, all right, I've got to stop enjoying that and get this stuff out there and try to try to get someone to notice me. And, and then, you know, we all know what that's like. So I really appreciate you guys offering the 30 minute commercial after the podcast. I was going to say, if you have a minute, (laughs) let's talk. But I think I think it's just fabulous and and instructive to other composers. I didn't know your gig existed, and it reminds mm. me that there are so many applications for writers and composers that are not the mainstream channel that everyone thinks. I have to go to Hollywood and write for movies in theaters. Otherwise, what Mm. else is there? You've carved a niche that's fabulous, high-quality music, uh, heard by millions. I'm I'm waiting for, you know, what's wrong with this picture, and I'm not seeing anything. So, bravo. Well, I mean, what's wrong with the picture from an occupational standpoint is I'm just completely out of that game and and probably not interested in jumping – back into anything like the wrestling world. Uh, it's changed a lot, that industry specifically. But, uh, you know, the the onslaught of library music and stuff, the proclivity of the industry to, out of practicality, I believe, I don't say it critically in the least, I'm a difficult commodity in that I can do so many different things. People like to know there's the guy, you know, oh, you want a horror score? Oh, my God, call Kenny. He'll knock it out of the park for you. He, he's like the horror 
score guy. I mean, if you want a horror score, I, I understand that. You know, it's 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 a uh, high probability decision that's probably going to work out for you. But um, as, as Kenny and I were speaking the other day, what, what's her name? The, the oh, Hilder Goodnadotter. Yeah, uh, you know, I just so admire her music and the bravery of her just going for it and doing this music. But then I advise, I, I admire all the people who took a chance and, and probably had a million people in their ear and producers and studio people saying, whoa, whoa, no, no, you know, get, get James Newton Howard or something for God's sake, we need a, you know, good a plus score. And, um, and remind me to tell you a great trivia story about James Newton Howard too, but they like, particularly for Joker. I mean, Trying to imagine that movie with just uh, a kind of a, even no matter how A plus it is, a sort of straight ahead orchestral, mysterious, creepy score. It, I think, would reduce that movie's quality dynamically. And the fact that her music alone just has you like, hey, I got to tell you, I'm really uncomfortable right now. You know, and that's pretty much how you feel through that whole movie. And I attribute a lot of that to her music. And so God bless her. It's just so great. James Newton Howard, really quick story. Uh, Early on, I took a trip out to L.A. It was the first score I ever worked on. It was a semi-disaster. It was certainly a semi-disaster as a film. A Hulk Hogan movie called No Holds Barred. Mm. And a friend of mine knew James and somehow set up a meeting for me to go out to his house and meet the guy. Nice. And he was so, I mean, so unnecessarily kind to me. I mean, he saw that basically I barely knew what I was doing and that I was scared out of my mind. And he was just so calming and said like, Hey, you know, everyone feels like that. You'll do fine. Just, just, you know, keep your head down, work hard, It'll it'll work out somehow. It'll work out, and he was right. It worked out. You're too modest. So, good good on him as well. Thank you, James. I never got a chance to really thank you. Looking back on your uh, wrestling theme song career, do you have mm-hmm. a, a? I hate to say a favorite because that's mm. just a, a a weak question. But do you have a a particular score that you're most proud of? Maybe something that you accomplished or you. You were stuck on for so long, and then you finally came up with something, and it was just a total home run. Um, well, it, there are so many things that come to mind as the answer to that. Like uh, a song I wrote for my, for my wife called With My Baby Tonight had a really long, popular run in a storyline. So that holds uh, emotional stuff for me on many levels but the thing that jumps to my mind right now is uh, the theme i wrote for gold dust It is so not a wrestling theme. It's movie music. I tried to do it one time with with uh, live strings, and they said, oh, "Sorry, we can't play it because it, it it's an all horrible keys and changes keys like every four three bars or something." 
if you haven't seen the Gold Dust entrance, you should look it up on YouTube because it's so cinematic. It, it's like its own little movie when he comes out. Yeah, and uh, it's nothing like Vince was expecting. And but I but I commend him. Um, one of the best parts that what I admire most about Vince is that he loves to be surprised, mm. and I find that uh, uh, an attribute of a lot of really successful and creative people is they come off like they're very sure of themselves and they know what they want, but their favorite thing is to be surprised and say like, oh my God, I never thought of that, but wow, that really works. I think their favorite thing is to be surprised in that they've hired someone smarter than themselves in one particular arena and what they were thinking of in their limited universe of how music should be or how lighting should be or what costume should be. You hire a great composer, costume, or lighting director, and they show up with an idea. You go, I never thought of that. That's the great surprise you, you wish for. I agree, for. but it takes bravery for people to do that. And, and I also understand why there's, however real or false, there's that confidence thing is the, the particularly Hollywood directors are put in an unbelievable position of either real power or expected power. And you're supposed to know the answer to every single question. And there have to be a million questions is like, I haven't got the slightest clue yeah. what the music should be to this thing, but you have to be like the captain of a ship and, and seem like, you know, everything. And so I agree with you. It, it's gotta be refreshing. If there's just that little door open to, allowing the composer or the lighting director or whomever to have the freedom to say, I know we kind of talked about this at the spotting session, but I just got an idea. I want to play you. Would you, would you listen? My favorite, you know, and, and if they listen and I mean, good on them, if they're even brave enough to listen, but then if they're brave enough to say, uh, it's like, wow, I never thought of that, but you know, I, and I can't even explain why it's working, but it's working. And so Goldust kind of did that is that it was nothing like anybody was expecting. And it's, it's among the favorites for sure. Uh, Degeneration X. Sorry. One other real quick. Oh yeah. Thing. Uh, Degeneration X. Are you ready? As we were discussing early, all the themes, for the most part, they, you know, they come out of the gate flying. They just knock your head off. DX theme has this incredibly long intro that just keeps going on and on and on. But in its own way, it just created that anticipation in a different fashion because you know that downbeat's coming. Break it down! But we're going to make you wait for it. Another great example of uh, that I'm so picky about my, my rhythms, and it's because I'm a I cannot not play funky, like southern funk. I hear a know? lot of and, southern funk and funk. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I mean I try to play rock things straight, you know, like a nice Metallica kind of thing. I can't play straight. It's always a little bit of a I guess it's a little bit of a swing or something to it. Yeah. Speaking of funk, uh, as we wrap up here, there's one song that uh, you wrote that became like an international thing. 
and uh, it, the videos are. I'm just curious what you thought of having something outside of the wrestling world bringing so much joy to people. And it's this oh. Brodus Clay song, <laughs> and it's so funky. Yeah. Love it. So you know, did the uh, audience come this, this, up this, with? Sorry, this, sorry to interrupt. It just reminds me so much that I, I subscribe to this creative conduit thing. Uh, I'm a pretty spiritual God guy, so I think it's a conduit from God, and I just got lucky enough to be the conduit because. Once I'm done, I let it go. So when you play that, it's you might as well be playing, the, you know, the favorite Beatles song or something. It's like God, that's that's great. I love that. Let's let's dance or something. You're worldwide, Jim, and and you're <laughs> you're blissfully creating music while your fans are going. And I'm, I'm last one to know it, which is crazy. That's okay. A, a typical scenario for me. Oh man, it's so so good. It's such high quality music. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. We really appreciate the time. Man. Oh my God, it's been fun. It's 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 great when um, things just seem like a, 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 a catch up with friends as opposed to an interview. Oh, so nice, so interesting too. And this uh, this doesn't feel like that for sure. You're, so interesting great. for us. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's very flattering and humbling and. Um, I can't thank you enough. He's Jim Johnston, 32 years with WWE. Oh, wow. It's theme song throwback. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Score the Podcast. If you like what you hear on the show every week, please do us a favor and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. And also make sure to click subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss bonus episodes like this one. We'll see you next week right here on Score the Podcast.